Welcome back, podcast listeners. Episode 74 today. Now, look, I'd say we have the originals in the room, um, but we have got a special guest today. It might be his first time actually speaking on the uh, podcast, but Willard, welcome today. Yeah, g'day. Thanks for having me. Uh, second, second appearance. Uh, I think the year special was my first, uh, yeah, my first run on the podcast. So, yeah, so, we've let, so sorry, we've let Willard speak before, have we? We must have. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, I don't remember signing off on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but Willard, you are here today for a reason and um, you, you'll be letting the listeners know. Yeah, so uh, I've done on the podcast just kind of shed some light on what we're doing over the next four weeks. We really kind of came to an idea that we wanted to do an informative campaigns around not really having lockdown regrets and really taking control of what you can and setting yourself up for the future. And then so this week we, we decided to do the topic of getting control of your super. And so, yeah, we've made a list of five easy steps. Yeah, and I think, look, I think it's been great. Um, we've had those come out already, the articles, um, which we'll be touching on today. And I think the content tiles have been something really good. The, the links going through um, have really been good for the, for the uh, listeners to look at. No, I think they have. It's um, I've, I've I've enjoyed reading it as well. So it's uh, no, they have been good. So and it it is uh, we've added out um, as you know a topic that I am extremely passionate about. Yeah, so we will move on to those five things. Um, and, and as Gwilard said, the campaign will run over four weeks, and it is about not having those lockdown regrets. It's been interesting some of the conversations that I've had with my friends. Um, it's been great to hear that people have taken that time, a lot of them, to actually get their finances in order. Um, I know it's been hard on other people and, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for another discussion, though, you know, hearing that some people are looking through their finances, understanding certain things. So we will start on the uh, superannuation today and taking control. So there's five easy steps. And I think the first one is, is a massive one, um, understanding how your superannuation works and what the benefits are, Tone. Yeah, I think um, I've always said, and Jamie, you were with me when I was trying to explain this to a group of people, um, you know, in Chicago, when we gave that talk in Chicago uh, to what was about 25 yeah. people, very high net worth people talking in sort of your $25 million plus, um, you know, value. And we were talking about the benefit of superannuation and in Australia and how our retirement system works uh, compared to their Roth IRAs and 401k yeah, they're, they're, plans. Their jaws, jaws were on the green at that stage. They couldn't believe what we have in Australia. Yeah, no, and it's fair to say uh, that without a doubt, we do have the greatest uh, retirement system in the world. And, you know, if, if I was to be a religious man, I'll drop to my knees and give praise to Paul Keating on a morning basis, mate. So it's uh, for putting this in place. So, and, and basically what it has done, um, what it has done is it's gone from superannuation being for people who work in government uh, to, uh, or people who work for large organizations, like at the time it was called Telecom, not Telstra, you know, BHP or the banks or something like that. So, you know, and obviously if you worked for the insurance industry, you had your own superannuation schemes, etc. And a lot of these companies had their own superannuation trusts and had their own, their own investments like a self-managed super fund, but for, uh, employees. 
yeah. which is a bit, which could be a bit scary because you know you've got a very large building firm that has its own trustee, and you've got a bunch of engineers uh, trying to run the underlying investments. That can certainly be a bit scary. Um, and I say that openly because we got one of them as a client 30 years ago. <laughs> so it was, um, but when superannuation became compulsory, and I suppose that's what we're talking about, is what a lot of people don't understand is that, and I've said this before in other podcasts, if you go back a couple of generations, I'm not talking about me, so realistically superannuation became compulsory when I first joined the workforce some 30 odd years ago. Um, so the full-time workforce. So I've always known a world of superannuation and obviously being in the industry and corporate superannuation being my specialty area, um, I learned very quickly about the benefits of superannuation. But in saying that the rules have changed dramatically over the years, but for someone who is say your age or even younger than you, Jamie, say Willard's age or, you know, Jeremy, my 21 year old has just started full-time work with us as age as an example. Um, the, you know, you guys, as long as you turn up guys and girls, as long as you turn up to work every single day, even if you're on the minimum wage, uh, you would have too much money to retire on at the age of 65 or 67 and a half, let's say that you would never be eligible for the age pension. And the reason why the superannuation system first came into play was simply because Australia could not afford its, uh, its um, age pension bill. So a lot of people, historically, a lot of people would have to uh, save after tax money uh, into their superannuation. You had a lot of immigrants who would buy property and have a lot of investment properties and you've got a lot of families now inheriting mum and dad's uh, hard work who immigrated here say after world war ii uh in the 50s you've got um you've but this was a form of retirement saving that you know you you had to do with after-tax dollars and after-tax dollars have always been tight uh so for any household it doesn't matter what income you're actually earning so what happened is with superannuation becoming compulsory, it is the greatest investment vehicle in the world. And what people need to think of, and especially younger people, is don't underestimate the benefits of your nine and a half percent going into super. And even if that's only five grand a year, let's say, um, I think it works out at about 3,900 on the minimum wage. That over 40, 40 years plus inflation, uh, plus returns on that, uh, we're, we're talking about retiring on in today's value, in dollar value, an income of around about $60,000 a year after tax. Because currently, and I hope it doesn't change, uh, superannuation or the income earned in retirement after the, as long as it's after the age of 60, um, and any income, any earnings within the fund and any income that you take out of the fund is 100% tax-free. So, so on that, it is just the greatest investment vehicle in the world. So, and the philosophy is, is that you can save all the money you want in your personal name. And if you've got 2 million bucks in retirement, uh, the income you earn on that $2 million is fully taxable at the full marginal tax rates. If you have that $2 million invested through a family trust, family trust has to distribute hundred percent of its income every year. So it still would be end up having to pay um, you know, virtually your mar mar marginal tax rate. You have that two million sitting in your superannuation fund. The tax on it is zero, and the t and on the income that you take out of it, the tax is zero as well. So, a lot of you know, you're coming up twenty nine, I think, Jamie. So it's uh, yeah. so yep. So it's um in a few weeks, or I think so. I think we're talking a couple of weeks now, but yeah. it's um, but basically, it's a case of that. 
if you think about your retirement, it is so far away for you. But at the end of the day, as long as you and Jess continue to turn up to work, uh, your retirement is set. And, yeah. and, that, and that's the key to it. So this is the greatest form of investment that you could have anywhere in the world just, for the, just because of the taxation benefits. So I, think, I think that leads into the conversation you were saying, as long as we're turning up to work, that we're going to be comfortable in retirement. But for some, that's actually not the case because I think you need to really check your super to make sure your employer is paying it. Um, I've previously, in a previous job, actually gone through a trouble where it wasn't being paid um, and, you know, that wasn't accumulating. That, that, that company obviously got in trouble for that. Um, but this is what some people do go through with their employers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... If you're working for a large institution, I can guarantee you your superannuation is going to be paid. Yeah. Uh, if you are working in a unionised business, I can guarantee you your superannuation is going to be paid. It's um, there's there's very there's very few, and because superannuation does have to be paid uh, on your earnings, it can't just be paid you know in June every year by an employer. Uh, so an employer can't turn around and say, well, I'm not going to pay superannuation this quarter. I'll just hold that back because the tax office is on them straight away. Every, everything is – so when, when that happened to you, Jamie, we didn't have uh, the technology and reporting system at the ATO of what we have today. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so my tax returns were lodged yes, uh, uh, last week and I got a, you know, a MyGov notification today of how much tax I owe. They know exactly what interest I've earned in my bank account before I've lodged that tax return. Yeah, so, and, that uh, was- and it's the same with employers, of course, because you have to pay your, you have to pay your GST now, you have to pay your BAS, uh, yeah. you have to pay your pay as you go. And that, uh, that was an employee and that was a larger larger firm in Melbourne. Um, yep. And, you know, I think, as you said, technology has come a long way. But even for some people being trapped as a contractor and, and that sort of grey area in regards, in, especially in building and construction, um, yeah. they're the ones that just need to be weary and to make sure that they go back and look that it is being paid. Yeah, yeah I just had that. I, yeah. I, 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 a mate, 22, had cancer. He got a testicular cancer and I reached out to him and said, hey, mate. Uh, How old was he? 22. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just reached out and I said, oh, Jamie, can I kind of use our resources to just see if we could just do anything for him? And, and he said, yeah, that's fine. And so I looked into his super fund and I was talking to him and he goes, yeah, my boss hasn't paid me super all year. And, um, yeah, couldn't, couldn't believe it. And I had another mate who was working with him and said the same thing. And, they're, they're both working in construction in Melbourne. I don't, I don't think they're on the union, but yeah, I was away that I thought it. So, that's, uh, so, so in other words, any insurances that he might have had as, as automatic insurance attached to those super funds actually weren't there because his boss hadn't actually paid um, his yeah. super. So it's, uh, so it's not just a case of that he'd missed out an interest and what was rightfully his money in the first place, potentially he's missed out also on a insurance claim as well. Mm. Yeah, and, and, the th- and the thing is, is having cancer at such a young age, he's not going to get future insurance either, or it's going to be harder to get future insurance. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, that's uh, that, yeah. Well, I'll let the lawyers uh, state whether that could be a lawsuit, but I certainly think it could be. <laughs> so it's um, yeah. So the, ne- the next one to look into, and the third point is, um, and this is an interesting one, it's one that comes up a lot is find lost or unclaimed super. Now, we were talking about the technology, and that is done through a MyGov account. Um, they are good at tracking down the TFN number, and we actually do find a lot of clients are finding super funds that they had no idea that they even had. 
Yeah, we've had uh, two just in the last, uh, say, four months. A, um, you know, a lovely young lady and her partner, um, she came into a sizable inheritance in doing the planning for them. Uh, they, um, uh, she gave me what she thought was her super fund. Uh, so it's, uh, we did the lost super account. She, she thought she might've had, you know, 80 or 90,000 in it. Uh, she ended up having 180,000. So from that, now we didn't automatically get her a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, but that was a hundred thousand dollars that she had that she never knew that she had. Yeah. And so it was, um, and that was, that was just us doing our job and our research. And we had another one just recently as well. Uh, ex, ex, uh, defense force. Um, he had worked in hospitality, spent some time overseas as well. Ended up buying himself a lovely little cocktail bar, uh, restaurant down in Eltham. Uh, once again, same scenario. He thought he, with his military super, he thought he, might've had X amount of dollars in it. We did some research and we found about an extra, I think uh, 50 or $60,000 on top of what he actually uh, thought he had. So and once again, just doing a bit of research. So when you consider that at the end of the day, that money is yours. It's, it's not going to be lost, but you don't know it's yours uh, unless you have it there. And if it's just sitting in a MyGov account, it's basically earning no interest. Yeah. Uh, so very, very little to none. Um, so it does, it does get looked after, but it's basically sitting in a bank account. You could say, uh, it is still your money. So the, uh, on that, on that perspective, once again, you know, the difference of a 1% return over the space of, you know, the difference between say a 6% return and a 7% return is the difference between your money doubling every 10 years or doubling every 12 years. Now, if you are 30 years before your retirement, that's a hundred grand going to 200 grand going to 400 grand versus a hundred grand going to 200 grand going to 400 grand. Then you still got another, you know, 300 grand on top of that. And that's just the difference of a 1% return. So it's not just about finding your lost super, uh, something that, you know, it's been going through technology makes it a lot easier for us uh, to find a super. It's also about then managing your super as well. Uh, and as I said, it can stay in the MyGov account. It's still your money, but you're not necessarily going to be earning anything on it. No. And so it's interesting. There's a stat here, and I guess our fourth, fourth point about consolidating your super, as you were talking about, but it's interesting. Of the 14.8 million Australians with super, around 40% have more than one account. Mm. Now, there's... We'll talk about the advantages of consolidating under the one account, um, but there is examples when we do, I guess, when it comes to certain insurances and, and people that we do hold two accounts for clients. Um, yes, that's right. You, you know, but we do, you know, majority of the time consolidate into the one account. Why are the reasons that we consolidate to the one? Um, well, first of all, for um, ease of management. So if somebody is just not interested in their superannuation, which which I don't necessarily understand why. So if you could, let's, let's think of it this way, Jamie and Willard, you've got a hundred grand in your super. Now I know Willard is an avid investor um, and loves his shares. Uh, he could tell me, well, he, he nearly does, but he could tell me down to the cent every single day, what he has earned and what his portfolio has gone up by the percentage. I get the screenshots every morning. <laughs> uh, he's, he's certainly got a different risk profile than me. You have young Willard, but it's, uh, but in saying that, last, that, last couple of days, cause it's been pretty, pretty red. 
<laughs> yeah, yesterday, yesterday would have spanked you a bit. So it's, um, but yeah, in, in... <laughs> damn it, there's a deposit for my house gone. <laughs> so it's, uh, okay, so so you see, you have to buy in Fitzroy rather than Collingwood. Is that right now, Willard? So, <laughs> so it's... maybe Heidelberg instead. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so just it's, that's only two suburbs away. So it's, um, but I think the key is though is if you think about it. Willard knows exactly what's going on in his investments. He monitors it. He does it. He loves it. Josh in here does the same. Uh, I think on uh, Jeremy's fourth uh, pay run, Josh made him buy shares. Um, he, and I said, you know, he, he, he was going to make him do it on his first pay run. Uh, I said, let let the kid just have some fun with his money. It's his first full-time wage. Then, when, then we'll when get... Went and bought a Skyline. Yeah, no, that was Joshy bought the oh, skyline. <laughs> no, not Jeremy. So it's uh, so, but I think that I think the key is what I'm saying is you know every single day. But what's interesting is there are people who are avid investors. You ask them about their superannuation fund, and they look at you with a blank face and say, oh, "I'm not too sure where it is. I think it's with CBUS, or I think it's with Host Plus, or I think it might, I think I saw a statement from AMP once. Um, and you know, so they might have a hundred grand in there. And I think Jamie came home to roost when you and I were in New York when we were sponsoring the Australia Day ball uh, for Australians in New York, uh, the AU community. Um, and I think you said you're speaking to a guy there owns his own business. And he was asking why we look after expats. And you, you spoke to him about his superannuation. He goes, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, I think I've got three or 400 grand in super in Australia. I'm not too <laughs> sure. I was scratching my head saying, first of all, how do you not know whether it's 300 or 400 grand? <laughs> you know, so, and, se and, and secondly, it's a case of that. Why aren't you actually looking after that? You know, if you had that in your bank account, you'd be looking after it. You'd be saying, what are we going to do with it? There's, but because it's long-term, a lot of people don't think about it. So it, it's an amalgamation. So I've gone off topic just a little bit, but amalgamation is more about just because you can't touch it for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, doesn't mean you shouldn't actually be managing it. So it's, it's, if you don't want anything to do with the management of it, well, then that's fine. Under that basis, uh, not an issue. Um, leave it wherever it is. Okay, but if you'd like to actually have a bit of an involvement in it, understand how it works and actually have things that work within your personal risk profile, well then, yeah, have it managed, have it managed accordingly. Um, get an understanding. It's also, you know, dumbfounds me where you have some people saying, oh, I'm in a certain industry fund that a certain guy who wrote a certain book uh, spoke about but it's okay, I'm not taking risk, I'm just in their balance fund, but their balance fund was 99% growth assets and 35% of that was unlisted illiquid assets. I mean, yeah. from a risk profile, I don't have any clients who take that risk. Uh, yeah, none, think, when, think, when you know about it is what I'm saying. So it's yeah. uh, no, no, none of my clients will consciously ever take that amount of risk ever. No, maybe think, maybe we'll add. Yeah, I think, <laughs> and I think the other part is as well, is holding multiple accounts. Not all, but a lot of super funds will charge a flat fee as an administration. So if you have an account with them, you're paying a membership fee slash administration fee. So if yeah. you've got, even if you've got small balances across funds, you're losing percentages of your money by just paying flat administration fees to hold that platform. So like it's yeah. not only to the one, you're paying less fees. Actually, there's a great example of that, Jamie, of um, a client from one of our old advisors about two years ago. Uh, and he had five different superannuation funds. And when he was asked uh, by Paul why, 
uh, that is, does he have five different ones? He said, so I can diversify my investments. <laughs> um, and, and so he, his thought process was correct. He wanted diversification, but he had five different balance funds in five different industry funds, let's say. Um, now we amalgamated that, and I think it was into, might've been NetWealth for the Macquarie platform, did all his investments for him, gave him the diversification, you know, where he's now got exposure to four and a half thousand different shares and two and a half thousand different corporate and government bonds globally. That's the diversification that he actually wants. So we've given him that. And interestingly enough, by putting him on a platform, even with our fees and amalgamating them all, because of all those flat fees that you're talking about, and then all the percentage-based fees that aren't capped uh, on all those industry funds, he still ended up saving about $2,000 a year in fees. Now, you're, you push that out 20 years, uh, you know, plus interest, that's about $60,000 extra benefit in his account, even if he was just earning the exact same interest rate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I think we did have to keep one of those funds open with a minimum balance in it because we did have to keep some of his insurance there because he couldn't obtain insurance uh, like IP insurance, uh, things yeah. like that. So we kept one of those open just with a minimum balance, just for his, uh, just for part of his insurances. But that's a classic example of, yeah, you're paying all the fees. When we talk about compare to pair, actually do a proper comparison. But just the saving on fees alone, getting the exact same return, he's going to end up with an extra $60,000 in his balance by, by giving him true diversification rather than diversification just being in a couple of different brands. Yeah, and you touched on the last point there just before as well um, with risk and it's, you know, review your investment option within superannuation. Understand what you're actually invested in. If it says you're a balanced option, understand what balance means and understand the risk profile that you're in and the investments that you're in within that risk profile. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we had a, we were at an investment forum uh, it was probably a year ago now uh, because it was a big forum. It was in Melbourne, uh, run by Morningstar. They had industry funds there speaking to a whole lot. And there was a gentleman from a specific industry fund that's in the building industry. Um, so, and they, they were there and he spoke about their property portfolio earning a 9% yield being classed as uh, defensive income. Now, defensive income is cash or bonds, nothing else, you know, or credit mortgages or something like that. There's nothing else. That's what defensive income is. But he was classing a growth asset, a hard, illiquid growth asset as a defensive income. So if you're having a look at his pie chart and his pie chart says that they've got 40% in defensive assets, do they actually have 40% in defensive assets? There was even a time when they were classing a Telstra share because it was paying a dividend or a bank share as a div paying a dividend defensive. Okay, asset. so that, that's a little bit incorrect. So I will, okay. I will pull the disclaimer on you there. It was a Telstra hybrid share and okay. bank hybrid shares that they were classing as defensive because it paid a high dividend. It's, it can still come crashing down like no, <laughs> different, no different out of the share. Just because it's called a hybrid doesn't mean that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's running on electricity rather than fuel. We're not talking about a car here. We're still talking about, uh, we're actually still talking about a share. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, difference is it was liquid in that basis. So, so yes, but it, you, can't, you, you can't call something defensive that has growth. It's simple. If it has a growth element to it, it's not a defensive asset. That doesn't mean the bonds can't uh, lose capital. 
so you know you can do some pretty bad bond investments uh, so it doesn't mean bonds can't lose capital but over the long term they usually don't if they're managed correctly and you've got great diversification you know from a global manager such as a vanguard that has you know two thousand different bonds with different maturity dates in there and it's purely liquid so so yeah. th things like that as well Yep. Fantastic. Tony, thank you for today. Willard, thank you for today. Um, I think it's a great campaign for people to jump on board with. And as we said, taking some time to really understand where your finances are and don't have any regrets during these times. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys.